This morning we are looking at a great paradox in the Christian life, that to be strong, you actually have to be weak. But I have found in my own life, and I wonder if you have too, is something we, we don't like to admit. Peter, in this story, certainly did not want to admit that he was going to fail Jesus three times. He was going to deny his Lord and Master. And yet I believe if we can get hold of this truth, if we can truly accept that God is good, that he wants to break in on our lives, he wants to help us to admit our weakness, in him we can be far stronger than we ever would have been on our own. So let's take a look at this night where Peter is grappling with his own weakness. Jesus comes to him and says, you are going to deny me three times. And Peter is full of bravado. He's full of pride. And uh, in verse um, 29, Peter says to Jesus, even though they all fall away, I will not. It's like, these guys, they're definitely going to let you down, but I am going to stand firm. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Peter is confident in his own ability to handle this situation. And then Jesus leads them away. Peter, James, and John, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane and... Um, it's a shame we don't have time to look at how Jesus prays because it is breathtaking and beautiful. And uh, I loved how Chris led us in, in our worship time singing to a holy God that this song that has been reverberating down the centuries. You look at the Garden of Gethsemane and it makes you want to worship Jesus Christ, who though he, the weight of sin was coming down on his shoulders, he was... He was willing to say to the Father, if it is your will, I'll drink the cup. And he goes, he breaks away from his own time of prayer to, to find Peter and James and John, and he questions them. And um, in verse 37, it says, He came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. When I first read this passage, I think my understanding was that Jesus was just cross with his disciples. That he thought, you know, don't you know the pressure I'm under? Don't you know what I'm about to go through? I'm about to become a, a sin offering for the whole world. And you can't even, you can't even pray for one hour. I honestly don't think that's what's happening at all. Jesus did not need his disciples to pray for him. He knew his hour had come. He goes to Peter and to James and to John because he loves them. Because he has just heard Peter make quite a claim, an oath, that he was going to stand and be faithful through the night. And Jesus breaks off his own prayer time to come and say to Peter, if you're serious about fulfilling this oath, you need to pray. You need to receive from your Father in heaven everything you're going to need to get through this evening. You see, Jesus wasn't cross. He was loving. He was trying to help Peter. 
We see, we know he's, he, he sees, he knows, he sympathizes. His spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I can imagine Peter, and I've got three young girls. I know what it is to try and pray when you're sleep-deprived and your alarm goes off in the morning and you hit snooze again. And you think, oh, the spirit is willing, but the, the flesh is weak. And I can imagine Peter trying to pray, Jesus, oh, I pray for myself. <laughs> and he's off three times. But it's significant because three times he's going to betray Jesus. Jesus is trying to help him. Come on, Peter, keep going. My suspicion is I wonder if Peter felt slightly more self-confident because he knew he had a sword strapped to his leg. When he'd made his great declaration, Jesus, I'm never going to let you down. I think, yeah, because when that time comes, I'm ready. And this is what happens. Jesus leads the disciples off, and Judas arrives and betrays Jesus with a kiss. And we're not told directly in Mark, but if you read John's account, you find out it's Peter who's the one who takes his sword and he chops off the ear of the servant of the high priest. And Jesus has to tell him off again and say, look, this is not how my kingdom will come. And in Luke, we find Jesus will say that I could ask a 12 legion of angels to come and help me if I wanted. This is not how my kingdom is going to be established. It's not a kingdom established by violence. The kingdom is going to be established when he lays his life down. And I'm sure in that moment, Peter was very confused. He probably thought, I thought I was doing it. I thought this was my moment. I was going to stand up and be faithful for Jesus. But Jesus prayed for the man and healed him. I think Peter's actually quite brave because he continues to follow. When Jesus is arrested, he's taken to be tried. There's soldiers. There's a false trial. Peter makes it to the courtyard but it's there that he breaks. And uh, Jesus is in an upper room being tried. Peter's down in the courtyard, and a servant girl comes to him and says, no, I know you. You're, you're with Jesus and Nazarene. And he's like, no. And other people come over and say, yes, you are. Your accent betrays you. You're a Galilean. He's like, no. And third time, he invokes a curse on himself. He says, no, I don't know this man. And he breaks down and he weeps as he hears the, the rooster crow because he has done the very thing he said he wouldn't do. Do you know God is committed to showing you and me that we're weaker than we think we are? It's not a very modern message. It's not really, a, when I was thinking about what encouragement could I bring on this Grace Connection Together Sunday, we're all weaker than we think we are. It's like, Steve, what a blessing you are. Thank you so much for coming and encouraging us. And, but I honestly believe if we can receive this truth, though it's hard and we hate admitting it, we can actually receive God's strength, which is far more powerful, far more lasting, far more effective than we could ever kind of achieve on our own. I am quite like Peter. I have found in many areas of my life, I proverbially strap on my sword. I don't have a real sword. Proverbially, I strap on my sword and I think, I can do this for you, Jesus. 
in my marriage, just to take one example. Julie and I have been trying to work on our communication and how we kind of speak and love each other. I so often think if I can just bring my wisdom and, and my good listening skills and my strength and my diligence, I'm going to be such a blessing to Julia. She doesn't always see it that way. And uh, I find that prayer, though I pray, is not always my number one chief priority when I think about how my marriage is going. I read this passage and think, I don't want to be like Peter. I want to learn how to pray. I want to learn that if I want to succeed in life, I need to admit my weakness and say, God, only you can make me the husband I want to be. I found the same when I went church planting. I don't know if this is an encouragement to the guys in Newcastle or not, but I had an attitude that if I could just give out another flyer, if I could just meet another person, if I could just make another contact, then... King Church Birmingham will be a success. I suppose I better pray too. I mean, that's obviously really important. God had to work it into me. And I, I know, as I'm saying, it sounds a bit glib, and you might think, oh, Steve, I don't know how you even succeeded at all in planting a church if that was your attitude. But I'm telling you, I find it creeps into my life all the time. I think, I can do this. I'm going to do this for you, Jesus. And often, it's not a bad motivation. It's often for good things. So to have a good marriage is a wonderful thing to aspire after, to plant a church. I don't know what your thing is, whether it's starting a business or adopting kids or your friendship or what, whatever your thing is. If you want to do it for God, therefore, it must be a good motivation. Peter had a good motivation. I want to be faithful for Jesus. Who can argue with that? And yet Jesus knew it was better for him to realize he couldn't do it on his own. He had to be broken before God could come in. And as I said, I think that's quite a hard truth. I think there's something in us that thinks, I don't like this teaching. I'm not sure I want to... Like, who wants to be broken? Who wants to admit they're weak? Surely we want to succeed in life. Was Jesus being cruel to Peter? Was he setting him up to fail? I don't think so. He was being kind. The only way to succeed is to know you are weak. Paul writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, My grace, this is God speaking, is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. You want God's power? in your life, you have to know you're weak. The alternative, I think, is pride. That was where Peter was. I can do this. Just imagine for a moment if somehow Peter had actually got through that night unharmed. Somehow he'd got through that courtyard scene and had not betrayed Jesus and he'd just about got through it and come out the other side. I could imagine that when Jesus had died and rose again and was with his disciples, he would say to Peter and the others, stay here. I'm now going to go to the Father and I'm going to pour out my spirit and he is going to be your comforter and your helper and your guide and your power. And through his strength, you're going to establish the church. And Peter's saying, Jesus, what a great plan. These guys need that. 
I'm Peter. I mean, I'm the one who stayed till the end. I'm the one who made it through. Can you imagine Peter full of pride, full of his own strength, trying to go out to proclaim the gospel? I don't know if it would have lasted a few days before it all would have gone crumbling down. God knew he had to work into Peter's life. He had to break the spirit of self-assurance and self-reliance and self-confidence that God himself could get the glory and actually transform Peter into a man who was useful for the kingdom of God. Peter might not have realized what was happening, but God actually loved him far more than he, he knew. Hudson Taylor a great missionary to China. He lived in China 51 years as a brilliant incarnational missionary. He says about his own ministry, God chose me because I was weak enough. He trained somebody to be quiet enough, little enough, and then uses him. That's true humility. It's a paradox that, that Hudson Taylor would say, you know, how, how did I see success? How did I see people saved? Well, I knew I was weak enough. And then God was able to use me. Richard Sibbs, this is one of my favorite quotes, the great Puritan writer. He says, Christ's work both in the church and in the hearts of Christians often goes backwards that it may go forwards better. As seed rots in the ground in the wintertime, but after comes up better, and the harder the winter, the more flourishing the spring. God is committed, actually, to helping us go backwards sometimes, that we may go forwards better. I'm sure Peter on this night just thought, this is hopeless, I have let Jesus down, I have failed, I am weak, it is over. But actually, God was taking him backwards, that he might go forwards even better. And I think I just basically wanted to bring this message to you this morning because if you think, I'm a failure, Steve, I have let God down, I am not strong enough, I am not able to do this, it could be that you're right in the center of God's will. Because when you are weak, then he can be strong. And I just think it's good to, to talk about this, to be real, that when we say we want to succeed, we want to thrive in the Christian life, we're not saying, hey, we all need to be strong. No, he is strong. And he takes us backwards, that he may take us forwards better. And sometimes when I think about Peter's life, when I look at him, I think Peter was a bit of a bozo. I mean, he... I mean, Pretty proud, to be honest. I don't know how many of us would think, yeah, I'm just like Peter. And maybe, maybe part of us. I think when I read it, I think, I know I'm a little bit like Peter. I, I know I can be proud. I can do things of my own strength. But I, also, I know I've got a lot of weaknesses too. I just want to encourage you. What God is after is full surrender. I find it really hard to let go of control in lots of areas of my life. I think I can just work hard at this. And God is not against hard work. We're going to finish this message in a moment. We're going to see that when God comes in, we can work hard for his kingdom. When it's in his strength, there's power in it. When it's in my strength, and I'm kind of admitting I've got a little bit of pride, but I'm also going to work very hard to make sure my life goes well, the Christian life becomes exhausting. 
And I also just want to speak to you, if at the moment you're feeling exhausted, you think, I don't know how long I can keep this up. I don't know how long I can keep going. And God seems so hard, because when you're exhausted, when you think that God is asking so much of you, he seems pretty difficult. It's hard being a Christian. I mean, God asks so much of me. It's true, but not often in the way that we think. When we can get to a place of full surrender, when we realize Jesus is in charge of my life, he's worth giving everything to, his power comes in and he can change us from the inside out. And I guess the invitation this morning is if there's something in your life you think it's too big for me, a church plant, for example, a marriage, parenting, a friendship, a job, searching for a job, trying to find a job, whatever the thing is for you, I believe the invitation is to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, it's yours. I can't do this. I am not enough. I am not strong enough, not good enough. I can't handle it. It's over my pay grade, as it were. Jesus, please come and be Lord of my life. And he will break in. It's a really scary thing to do. That's what I found. It's a really scary thing to say to God, I am not enough. And as I finish, what I want us to get hold of, you have to be utterly convinced that Jesus will come through for you to admit that you can't do it. Because if you don't think he's going to come, it's way too scary. But what Mark wanted us to see in this passage, and you might have realized when we had the reading at the beginning, it was like a few verses and a few more verses and a few more verses, and we pieced it all together. Mark actually sets it up deliberately. He has Peter, then Jesus, Peter, then Jesus, Peter, then Jesus, all the way through Mark 14. And we're supposed to see as we read it, Peter in the upper room, then Jesus in the upper room. Peter failing to pray in Gethsemane. Jesus praying in Gethsemane. Peter trying to cut off somebody's ear. Jesus healing and saying, no, this is not how my kingdom's going to come. Peter on trial in a courtyard with a servant girl and some others failing and denying his master and letting God down. Jesus in the upper room, faithfully obeying his father silent before his accusers, only speaking occasionally and always perfectly. We are supposed to see, as we read Mark 14, that Peter was a failure, but Jesus is a perfect saviour. Peter couldn't do it. Jesus has done it. And Jesus isn't just a suffering saviour. He's a substitute. He lived the life Peter should have lived. He died a death Peter deserved. And he's done the same for you and me. We have an amazing Savior. If you're asking the question, how do I know that God is going to come through for me? How do I know it's safe to admit I'm weak and I can't do this? Jesus gave everything that you might have everything in him. And when he rose again, we read in John's Gospel, he took Peter aside. And three times on a beach one morning, he said to Peter, do you love me? Peter says, I love you, Lord. You know I do. Three times, Jesus says to him, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. He restores him. As we finish again, I just want to encourage you. If you think, ah, Steve, I've let God down. I know I'm weak. I've blown it. God wants to restore you this morning. 
And then when Jesus returned to the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit from heaven. Do you know who was first in the queue to receive? Peter. He was ready. He was willing to say, God, I need you. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to start this mission without you. I need the Holy Spirit. And he is flooded with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He stands up. He preaches boldly. This feeble man who couldn't say to a servant girl that he was a follower of Jesus stands up on the day of Pentecost and preaches the gospel, preaches that Jesus has died for sins, is raised, that Joel spoke about this in the Old Testament, that spirit is now available, and he becomes one of the central pillars in the early church. And I think most remarkably of all, at the end of his life, Peter does the very thing he wanted to do in the first place. He is martyred. Because he trusts in Jesus. Not because he is strong. Not because he's a great example for us to follow. But because he was a broken man who knew the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus in his life. And as we finish, I guess my encouragement to us as Grace Connection, as people who think, I want to follow Jesus, I want to do something for God, is like, how are we ever going to do it? It's a paradox, but we basically have to admit we can't. We have to say that's too much. That would be my encouragement to the church in Newcastle. As I said, what a blessing I am. I come along, guys in Newcastle, you're never going to be able to do it. Amen. <laughs> it's a paradox. When we know we're weak, he is strong. When we think, oh no, we have four churches, two church plants, two churches, how are we ever going to see more? How is it ever going to happen? I know I can't do it, but God can. This is not a message where we throw up our hands in the air and say, oh, okay, we're all weak, we're all failures, we'll just give up then. No, 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 far from it. This is a message that says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will transform you from the inside out and he will get all the glory. I love the reading we had from Ephesians 2 in the worship time. He has laid out works for us to walk into. God is not just, you're all weak and just wait for me to come back. No, you're all weak and I'm going to fill you. I'm going to transform you and you're going to go and tell the whole world about me. That's the invitation on the table. We're weak. He is strong. I'd love Chris and the band to come. We're going to finish by worshipping. I want us to focus on Jesus as our Lord, our wonderful Savior. If there's any part of you that thinks, it still feels scary. <laughs> I'm not sure I can do it. I don't know if I can admit I'm that weak. We need to see him afresh. We need to be filled with him anew. And he will change us from the inside out. So wherever you are, you might want to stand or sit with your arms open, whatever, however you like to respond. But say, Jesus, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I need you. And I want you. Chris, over to you. Cool. Well, let's stand behind here in the room.